Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. How's everybody's day today? Good? Solid? I had a great day today, even with the rain. Um, is, is there anyone else in here that loves thunderstorms? I love, I love thunderstorms. Jake, or the person whose name is, is not to be said, took a great picture of lightnings. I'm so bad at that. I've, I've revealed so many people's names already, and it's only a day and a half. Um, so if you want to know somebody's name, just ask me, and I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, but uh, he took a great picture of this lightning. Or Taco took that uh, picture hitting the, um, hitting the ground, a lightning strike. Man, it was, it was just beautiful. Um, but um, I had... Uh, had some fun with a lot of you today. Hung out with Adventure Camp. Where's Adventure Camp? Um, I don't remember all of your names, but I, I remember Cooper. How can you forget Cooper, right? Um, Cooper is loud, but uh, Cooper's loud and proud. Um, I stopped by Horsemanship. Where's Horsemanship? Um, I'm actually going to be on a trail ride with you tomorrow, Horsemanship, so that's, that's going to be fun. Um, just pray for my protection. Um, Where's, where's Marin and Lily and Lindsay? Where, where's, where's back there? So we had an epic foosball challenge, didn't we, Marin and Lily? And uh, I won't tell you who, who won. Uh, we, we, we crushed them, but I won't tell you who. Uh, oh, <laughs> anyway, uh, maybe, maybe the, 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 the tech team can... Put a foosball table up here and put a camera, and then we can have like an epic foosball battle, and we can show the world who the real champions are. But uh, I'm just teasing. I'm, I'm talking smack, aren't I? I shouldn't be doing that. I should be talking about Jesus, which is what I'm going to do. But I had a great time today. Have you had a good time today so far? Um, don't fall asleep. I know some of you are tired. Don't fall asleep. I'm going to try my best in the next 25 minutes not to bore you. Um, I, w- I want to talk about, I, w- I, want, I, w- I want to ask this question. Before we do, let's pray like we did last night. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm ready for you to do whatever you want to do in my life. Here's a question that we reflected on last night. Can God really uh, bring beauty from the ashes. Now, some of you, maybe, you're, you're, maybe you've already got the answer to that. Maybe, maybe you're thinking no, or maybe you're thinking yes. Um, I, I just, I'm just going to you know, give you the spoiler you know, alert. Like, yes, God can bring beauty from the ashes. And hopefully, if you don't yet believe that, if you've not yet experienced that, hopefully, during the course of our time together this week, the, the conversations that you're having with your friends uh, in, your, in your cabins, the, the, the times in small group that you're having with your counselors, or, or even some of the informal conversations. In fact, the, you know, when I was a counselor here you know, 15, 16 years ago, some of the best conversations I had with campers happened when we were walking up to a ropes course or walking uh, to, to go uh, you know, get, get on, on the back of a horse and do a trail ride. When we were just walking to and from the dining hall or the dining tent, like some of the best conversations that I had took place in, in those times. So, uh, so dive in, dig deep, have those conversations. Don't be afraid to, to, to tell somebody what's on your mind so that you can uh, hopefully explore and experience uh, whatever it is that God has for you. Um, so all week long, we're going to be really reflecting on this idea of, of beauty 
from ashes. Tonight, uh, in a moment, we're going to read. Oh, did I forget my clicker? Is the clicker still back there? I'm so bad. I'm like ADHD squirrel. That's, that's me. Is it, you're good? All right. So we're, we're going to read. Oh, is it on the table maybe? I think, I think I might have set it down when I got some water. Anyway, um, we're going to read Isaiah 61 again. But the question that I want us to think about tonight is what is freedom? Don't answer it yet. I'll give you a chance to answer it in a moment. But, but just, just think about it. Uh, what is What is freedom? Think about the, the video that we just watched. Uh, was that freedom? Don't, don't answer yet. Just think about it. Just, 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 just let it sink in. What is freedom? Let's read this from Isaiah 61, uh, 1 through 4. It should be on the screen. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. That was dark, right? That video that we just watched. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Now, if you want to uh, ponder something before we get to it in a few days, ponder that phrase, oaks of righteousness. Write it down in your notebook. Think about it. Uh, Google it. Oaks of righteousness. That's a powerful phrase that we're going to get to in a few days. Um, and then oaks, uh, oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I love that. I, I, that's, that's a beautiful imagery. Um, have you ever watched an oak tree grow? If you have, you've sat there for a really, really, really long time. Because oak trees take a long time to grow. See, God wants to do something in your life, and sometimes we're too impatient with the process, aren't we? We need to be patient and trust our sovereign God. Verse 4, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They'll renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Now, when we read those four verses, and, and you know, we, we don't have time to read the entirety of the book of Isaiah, uh, but if you have time and you want to, by all means, it would be uh, informative for you and impacting uh, in the same way. But uh, I just want to give you a little bit of background on this passage. In, uh, th- think, try, try to think with me. I know this is hard, but try to think 2,500 years back. So, so, so more than 2,500 years ago in, in 587 B.C. So 587 years, almost 600 years before Jesus uh, walked on this planet Earth. And, and, and if you don't think that's real, like that's, a, that's an historical fact. Like even secular historians attest to the fact, like Josephus and Pliny the Elder, these aren't Christian men. These were secular historians who who attested to the historicity of Jesus. So whatever you believe about his divinity, you can't deny his humanity. He was a real person that lived on this planet 2,000 years ago. Now think almost 600 years before that, there was a people named uh, uh, Israel, or they were Hebrews. We, We might call them Jews today. Uh, Same people group, okay? Stick with me for just a moment. Uh, This is going to make sense. 
But 600 years ago, uh, or 2,500 years ago, um, this uh, group of people called the Babylonians came in to Jerusalem and destroyed the city. They literally left it in ruins. Have you heard this before? Some of you heard this before? So, so they, they, they came into Jerusalem, they, they destroyed the city, and they took people captive. They li- I mean, they're, 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 there's uh, evidence that, that people as young as 12, 13, 14 years old, maybe you're familiar with, with guys by the name of Daniel, yeah, he was 16 years old, uh, taken away from Jerusalem and Judea and, and into, into Babylon. I mean, the, the people of Israel, God's people, God's chosen people, the people that, that he loved, they, they were in, in ruins. They were, their city was devastated. And many of these people died never seeing the promise of, of God. Never, never seeing the fruition of this prophecy. And some of you are thinking, oh, well, this is great. So this is just about some ancient group of you know, people uh, that, that we read about in Western civilization. No, no, no. L- look in the New Testament. This is when Jesus shows up 600 years later. It's not on the screen. I'm just going to read it to you. So Jesus shows up, and, and there was a remnant of Jews in his hometown of Nazareth. They actually were waiting for the Messiah. They were waiting for this anointed one. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed. They were waiting on this person, this physical human person to come. And he he shows up. Jesus shows up. And he goes to this tiny little church synagogue in Nazareth. And he, 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 he takes the scroll of Isaiah. He opens, he opens the scroll up. He unrolls it. And, and look at what he, he, he unrolled the scroll. He found the place where this was written. And this is what he read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant. He sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently because they were like, what is, what's going to happen next? And then th- this is what Jesus said. He began to speak to them. He, he said, the scripture, the scroll that you've just heard, has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus was mentioned 2,500 years ago, 2,600 years ago, by the prophet Isaiah. And we see this, you know, we see a beautiful picture of God that we talked about last night, right? Sovereign God. We see God the Father. We see God the Son, Jesus. And we see God the Holy Spirit all in this passage. The Spirit, that's the Spirit. The Sovereign Lord, God the Father, has anointed. Who? Anointed. The Messiah. That's what, it, that's what Messiah means. The anointed one. Christos in Greek. We see God's plan coming to fruition. If that was the case 2,000 years ago, do you think God still has a plan to free you from your prisons today? What do you think? Do you think he does? I think he does. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Look at what this passage promises us. What's ruined will be rebuilt. Have you ever ruined something of of yours? Has someone else ever ruined something of yours? Have you ever ruined something of someone else's? What's been wrecked will be restored. That's a promise in this passage. 
And remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus, 2,000 years or 600 years after this was prophesied, Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. So if we have Jesus, what do we have? The fulfillment of what? All of these promises, right? So, so if, if Jesus is the fulfillment of the thing that was ruined that will be rebuilt, if whatever we've ruined, uh, if we bring it to Jesus, what, what is true about that? He rebuilds it, right? Okay, you with me so far? What's been wrecked will be restored. What's been disgraced will be renewed. There are three types of prisons that maybe you can relate to. Jesus, God, he wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to me and he wants to speak to all the counselors in the room tonight. Maybe you can relate to one of these types of prisons. The first one is the prison of resentment. The prison of resentment. Have, 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 has someone ever, ever hurt you so bad that you just, you're just harboring unforgiveness in your heart toward them? Or, or maybe, maybe a parent did something or said something to you, or maybe you think a parent favors a sibling of yours more than they favor you, and you resent that. Can anyone relate to that? Yeah? Or maybe you're doing something at school, like, like you raise your hand if, if you know what a jewel is. Raise your hand if, if that's kind of the, the, the new candy at your school, right? So, so, so do you resent the fact that one of your friends told a teacher that you had one of those at school? Yeah, some of you are like, yeah, I resent that. I resent that, right? Um, what, what about this prison? We're going to come back to this. What about this prison, the prison of regret, have you ever been locked in that prison? No? If you haven't yet, you will. You will. You, you'll, you'll do something. You'll say something. You'll, you'll hurt somebody. Some people say, I live with no regrets. I don't think it's possible to live with no regrets. A person that lives with no regrets doesn't reflect on their life. I've got lots of regrets. I, I regret the fact that I made my dad lose his job when I was 16 years old. I was the cause of that. Did God redeem that? Absolutely. But do I regret that I caused that to happen? Sure I do. See, see regret can be a cage that, that, you, that you sit in, or, or it, it can be an opportunity to reflect and to learn. Uh, some of us are, are held captive to the prison of resentment or regret. What about this one? Some of you are in this one. I, I actually just heard it. The prison of denial. The prison of the, you don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want. But some of you, some of you, some of you, you, you don't think you're in prison. You, you don't think you are captive to anything. Some of you think you're free as a bird right now. Maybe God will open your eyes and your heart this week. Maybe you've experienced ruin. Maybe something or somebody has wrecked your life. Maybe you've been disgraced. You know, maybe someone said something that disembarrassed you and made you the, the talk of the school in, the ba- in a bad way. Or maybe you've been a part of disgracing somebody else. Listen, whatever the case is, and, and, and maybe you're just in denial right now, and you think, you think life is good. You know, you think life is good. Hey, you know, think things are fine. I don't need Jesus. I don't need this God stuff. I don't need anybody talking to me about this God stuff. Maybe that's you. And if that's you, like, that's, that's okay. Like, I love you. God loves you. That's not going to change. But maybe, maybe you can just be open to the fact 
that you are held captive to something. And maybe it's not one of those prisons. Maybe it's something else. But maybe tonight you can just be open to the fact that there is a prison that, that, that is holding you captive. And Jesus wants to free you from that. To some of you, when we talk about freedom, that sounds good, doesn't it? Right? Freedom sounds good. No? Freedom doesn't sound good? Raise your hand if freedom sounds good. Right? Wow, like not very many of you. Um, so you don't want to be free? Okay, no, that's good. That's a very good thought. She said, sometimes we have too much freedom, so we can, we can get into a lot of trouble. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, that's, I, that's a great thought. Fan, fantastic thought. Yeah, a, absolutely. Uh, but, but here's the thing. We need to think rightly about freedom. Because if you're, if you're living in true freedom, real freedom... The freedom that God promises and the freedom that God gives, there's no such thing as too much of that, okay? There's no such, there's no such thing as too much of the freedom that, that God gives. And so we're going to talk about the differences between our definition of freedom and God's definition of freedom. But I love that. That's, that's perfect. What is freedom? Give me some ideas. What's freedom? To make your own, make your own choices, okay. What's freedom? Okay, the doorways you choose to walk through that determine your faith. Is that what you said? Fate. Oh, okay, okay. What's freedom? The United States. America. What's freedom? Somebody over here. What's freedom? What is freedom? What's freedom? Disappointment. Wow. Wow. What a thought. What a... No, 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 no. She's on to something. What a powerful thought. She said, freedom is disappointment. I, that, well, we saw that in that video, didn't we? Yeah. Didn't we? So, someone, okay, I'll give you one more shot. All right, um, What's freedom? I'm saying disappointment can come in a lot of things because if you make the wrong choice, you could one, get in trouble, or you could go down a very bad path. Yeah. So. Don't get caught. Is that freedom? Not getting caught? Hey, we're just talking here. What else? What's freedom? The foundation of the Constitution. Okay. Here we go. Um, let's, let's, let's rein it back in. Let me give you what we often, how, we, how humans often define freedom. Our world, even if you don't believe this, our world system believes that freedom you hear, you see this all the time, especially if you if if you if you watch the news, um, if if you if you uh, you know talk to, to to different people that you that you meet, you you you'll you'll you'll, you'll hear that, that they think that freedom is their ability to do whatever they want to do, regardless of the consequences, right? Regardless of how it makes somebody else feel. They think freedom, like, right, like we talk about the freedom of speech, right? Well, the freedom of speech means that I can say whatever I want without consequences. It, no, that, that, that's, that's not freedom. But, but here's how we define freedom. We, we, we like to define freedom this way. Living my life how I want without any restrictions. Living my life how I want without any restrictions. You know, Outback Steakhouse, no rules. 
just right, right? That's their motto. Burger King, have it your way, right? Our world teaches us this. Our world teaches us that freedom is a life without restriction. But just for a moment, imagine a life without restriction. Imagine roads without stop signs and street lights. Imagine what that would be. Have you traveled? Raise your hand if you've been to a third world country. If that's not freedom, that's destruction. I've been in those countries without stop signs and street lights, and, and I've seen terrible accidents. Free, freedom is not a life without restriction. Are you with me? That's not what freedom is, but that's what we think freedom is. You know, if someone wants to talk to us about that jewel in our school, we think, oh, no, 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 I can do whatever I want. I'm not hurting anyone else, right? Yeah, 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 we won't even, we're not even going to get there. I'll let your counselors handle that question, right? I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, 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 vape, vape actually has a lot more nicotine than, than, than a cigarette, right? A jewel has about two packets of cigarettes in, in one little, whatever you call them, cartons or bottle, pots, thank you. <laughs> You guys are like, you moron. <laughs> but our definition is we can do whatever we want. We can, oh, up here, we can do whatever we want. A life without restriction, no rules, my way, what I want, when I want it, however I want it. I can eat whatever. What happens if you eat whatever you want? You're not healthy. What happens if you drink whatever you want? Listen, we do this all the time. I can have sex with whomever I want. What happens? Yeah. There you go. Listen. I, we're, we're laughing about this. We're laughing about it. But this is what actually happens. This is the prison that so many of you are living in. This is the prison that our world is living in. We've, we, we've traded God's version of freedom for our version of freedom because we, we, we think, well, God doesn't want me to have any fun. God, God's got all these rules for me. We, we assume that rules are bad, but, but life would be chaotic without rules. Some of you are nodding your heads and you're shouting all this stuff. I can do whatever, eat whatever, drink whatever, smoke whatever. Some of you are thinking, that sounds like the good life. Here's the thing. The Bible actually tells us that that is the good life for a season. The Bible actually says there is pleasure in sin for a season. And that's the deception of it. Because it hooks you. You know, the devil is crafty. We have an enemy, by the way. His name is Satan. In in the Old Testament, he shows up as a serpent. I'm going to read it to you. Genesis chapter 1. Look at this. God saw everything that he made. It was very good. This was freedom. I mean, this this was beauty. Everything that God made, it was very good. There was evening. There was morning. It was a sixth day. Fast forward a few days Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? 
You see what's happening here? There's multiple voices. There, there's a couple voices talking here. There's God's voice that says, don't do this. One rule, by the way. You think your school has a lot of rules? You think your parents have a lot of rules? You think the ranch has a lot of rules? L- listen, God had one rule. Do you get that? God had one rule. Does anybody know what that rule was? Well, no, no, no. no. See, that's part of the deception. In fact, they were supposed to eat of everything in the garden except for one tree. There was one tree in the middle of the garden that they were not supposed to eat from. Just one rule. Just one. And the serpent came, and this voice was whispering in Eve's ear. Did God really say? And you need to think carefully about this. You can put your hand down. If you want to talk to me later, I'd love to talk to you about it, okay? Um, but I'm sure you've got a great thought. But you need to think carefully about this because I, like, there, there were two voices in the garden. How many voices do we have in our ears today? <laughs> More than two. We've got all kinds of voices. We've, we've got teachers' voices and parents' voices and, and our voices and, and, and the world's voices and the media's voices and, and marketing voices. We've got all kinds of voices, and they're all telling us what freedom is. And there's a true voice. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now, this is interesting because we don't actually know that God said that, right? We don't actually know that God told her not to touch the fruit. This is what she said God told her. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, see, this is, you can't miss this. God knows that when you eat from it, Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, you will be be free, right? This, This is what the serpent is telling Eve. You will have freedom because you will be in control. That's what the serpent is saying. The serpent is saying, you, if you you eat of this tree, you're going to be like God. God. In other words, you can be your own God. You can be the master of your own fate. You can control your own destiny. You can do what you want, eat what you want, drink what you want, have sex with whomever you want. This is you. You can do this. And listen. So she took it. She ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. (laughs) Yeah, this is in the Bible. I'm not making this stuff up. Listen, this is important. Nakedness, nakedness is nothing to be ashamed of. God, this is how, this is beauty. God created man and woman naked, and they were living together with God, naked, unashamed, unashamed. There was no shame. If we all walked around naked, 
A, it would be weird. And B, there'd be a lot of shame. There'd be a lot of comparison. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. I ain't wrong. Am I wrong? Hey, bring it back. Bring it back in. Listen, that's what happens. That's what shame is. That's what shame does. We start comparing ourselves to one another. We, we start blaming each other. We, we start looking down on one another. We start talking bad about each other. We start shaming ourselves and each other. And that's our version of freedom. Does that sound like freedom to anybody? That's a prison. That is a prison. And Jesus said, I have come to free you from that prison of your own version of freedom. Because let's talk about the garden for a moment. In the garden, they were naked, shameless. Shameless. Like, listen, we can be mature. We can talk about nakedness. Nakedness was God's design. They had no shame in the garden. No shame. In the garden, before Eve chose to eat of that fruit, before she chose to disobey God and choose her own version of freedom, she was content do you know what a lot of us are imprisoned to today? We're imprisoned to this idea of more. We strive. We strive to get our parents' approval. We strive to get our friends' approval. We strive to get God's approval. And we don't need to strive to get God's approval because in Jesus, he approves of you. If you are in Jesus. This, this, this is what we're talking about. God's definition of freedom is, com is, is completely the opposite of our definition of freedom. In the garden, there was no shame. There was absolute contentment. And there was relationship. Relationship with God unhindered. I mean, imagine being able to see God face to face, holding God's hand, walking with God in the garden, in this beautiful paradise that he made just for you, just for you. He made it just for humanity. He made earth for us, which is why the Bible says one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new what? A new earth, because God's going to redeem it. And, we're, and those of us who are in Jesus are going to be able to experience this beauty from ashes that God originally designed. No shame, absolute contentment, relationship with God, beautiful, unhindered presence of God. Imagine that. Imagine the presence of the sovereign, supreme authority. I mean, it, it would shock us all if the president of the United States or an, another figure, another prominent figure in our society, it would shock us all if they just walked in the doors, right? But imagine the supreme God authority of the universe wanting to have a personal relationship with you. And in the garden, it was personal. It was intimate. He was there physically in their presence. That's freedom. That is absolute freedom. Think about Adam and Eve's relationship. They weren't arguing. They weren't blaming each other. They, they weren't comparing themselves to each other. Oh, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father than you are a mother to our children. No, no, no. There was, there was perfect unity in the garden. And then Eve, she said, I want to do it my way. I want to control my own destiny. I want to make my own choices. I want to live my life without restriction. 
And so she took the fruit. She, th- th- you, this is what you need to see. The thing that she thought was the epitome of her freedom, that fruit on the tree, the thing that she thought was the portrayal or the perfect expression of herself, of her desire to be like God, to know good and evil, to make her own choices, to do things her way. That fruit that was the expression of her freedom became her what? Her prison. It became her prison. That thing is what actually enslaved her. And some of you, you have an expression Some of you have an expression that you think is my expression of freedom. Maybe it's sneaking out of the house when my parents don't know. Maybe it's a a relationship that you shouldn't be in. This is your expression of freedom. I can do what I want. I'm 16. I'm 17. I can be in a relationship with this girl or this guy if I want to. That thing that you think is your expression of freedom, it, it actually can be what? Your prison. Some of you are held captive tonight. So some of you are held captive by an eating disorder, and you're hiding it from everybody, and it is eating you away, literally. Is anybody in here with me so far? The very thing that you think is going to be free is what's holding you back. It's what's keeping you from experiencing the beauty that God wants to be and speak and deliver into your life. God's definition is the unhindered experience of God's presence. And I read Luke chapter 4 earlier because I want you to see this. If you have Jesus, you have the unhindered presence of God. In John chapter 1, Jesus said, I am the express image of God, full of grace and truth. He is the image, Jesus, he he is the image of the invisible God. If you get Jesus, you get what? You get God. You get the unhindered presence of God. Freedom isn't the absence of restriction. It's the unhindered presence of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And I know we we laughed tonight and we joked and some of this stuff was funny. But I hope that you help us realize that sin is no joke I'm sure Eve thought it's just a piece of fruit how bad can it really be how much damage can this really cause God I don't know what all of these teenagers are struggling with and I don't maybe it's even a counselor that's struggling with something maybe they've maybe someone in here has a a secret hidden sin that is just destroying them from the inside out God would you awaken them to the reality that there's freedom for the captives there is freedom in Jesus 
You have anointed him to proclaim freedom to those of us who are imprisoned. We love you. We thank you for bringing beauty from ashes, for proclaiming liberty to us. Help us to receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.